From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we launch our 24th year on the air. We are pleased to welcome in Jennifer Campbell. Jennifer, good to see you. Good to see you too. We are here in person. In person. It's very exciting. Plunging through into the new year. (laughs) That's right. I hope you like rain. I don't, but I'm I'm ready for spring. (laughs) I'm ready for summer. I'm just ready for like one dry day. One dry day. That sounds like a a saw country song. Doesn't it? (laughs) Just just one. Or or for it to not rain when I have to drive somewhere. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. Uh, My my quote unquote commute time was doubled. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Every time. And then there's the one crazy person who's Weaving through traffic. I do have to remind myself that there is a whole generation of young people who are now in their 20s who did not learn how to drive in the rain because we were in a <laughs> really bad were, drought well, and there actually, was no rain. That's actually so, a very good point. While driving, I have to remind myself of that, that there are just people who didn't learn how to do this and yeah. now they're learning. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, well, takes time. No, I, you know, they all say we need the rain and that's that's great. We're, we're sad for those that... Uh, uh, really been severely impacted because uh, ultimately all that water is is a good thing in California, it which is. tends to feed the world. But uh, um, it, it, it's sad that it all falls at once. Right. <laughs> Spread it out a little bit would be great. Uh, but, you know, we've seen the pictures of Sacramento in 1862 and 1863 <laughs> where it's under 30 feet of water. And This is true. And that was before we had dams and yeah. levees and all those things. And I guess flooding was Pretty, pretty common. Pretty common. It's probably so. why the, all that soil is so rich, you know, in, in the valley. You're probably right. Yeah. I don't know. But, I, you know, just not all at once would be great. It's Hopefully we'll get some dry days coming up. And yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm talking with Mark Finan or somebody from Channel 3. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I worry about weather and well, rain a lot because weather. of with camp. Yep. Is, is Camp Pandola, has it washed down into Yuba City? It has not yet <laughs> washed down to the Yuba River. Um, but, the you know, we'll see once it dries out this spring, we'll see what maybe needs to get repaired and things that need to get fixed and go from there. I mean, Have you ever had rain in the summer? Maybe a thunderstorm even? Oh, yeah. There Have was you? actually, we, a few years, I think it was 2019 actually, we had to move our mass, which we usually do outside because it's, beautiful yeah. outside and it's cooler um we moved it into the chapel because we were like it looks like it might rain we're not sure and then bishop was saying the, his homily and telling us telling us how you know i can't believe you guys had to move it inside in his homily like i can't believe to move it inside because there might be rain there hasn't been any rain and he turns and it starts, it starts raining <laughs> and i was like well you know just to be safe and it was you know so we'll get a few you know, maybe a thunderstorm here or there, but Has not. Has that chapel been there for a long time? Um, my understanding and memory, if memory serves me, it was built in the late 70s and like opened in 1980, in okay. 1980. Yeah. So the chapel's been there for a while. Um, a lot of the like buildings they've been used that are at camp, <laughs> they were, they had different uses yeah in different decades it used to be a lumber camp it was a yeah it was a it was a lumber yeah that's it was they did logging there and so of course it was used as like there was a home and an office and things then for that purpose um but even like what is now the boy the men's dorm for the the staff chief seattle building it used to be the chapel and at one point it was a game room um so like everything you know just gets repurposed as the needs arise so you've had your say what 61 or two years now yeah, six. Well, we're heading into trying 63. to do the 60th anniversary. We tried that. We tried time. that. We're just gonna wait till 65, which is in a few years. Um, but yeah, so we're we're getting getting ready for summer again. And so, do you know how it came about in terms of did somebody approach the diocese and say the the I, it's Pandola family owns yeah, the property? Yeah. So, and again, you know, I'm getting this like third, fourth, fifth hand because I'm not old enough to have been there, but. Um, <laughs> My understanding was that um, Mr. Pendola passed away suddenly and was young. Um, back then. Back then. Mm-hmm. He um, And 
his wife wanted to do something in his memory that served young people. And she went, I'm not sure who went to the bishop, um, but to, um, I'm trying to remember the priest's name that started it. Um, I can't think of his Could name. Could her pastor. Maybe. What, what, what would be the nearest parish? Uh, St. Patrick's. St. Patrick's. In Grass Valley. In Grass Valley. Yeah, yeah St. Patrick's in Grass Valley. I do believe, actually, there used to be a parish in North San Juan, mm-hmm. but it's St. John's, I think, was the name. Um, she So they went and toured a couple different... Then she wrangled her family, her in-laws, and, and got them to donate this a piece of land. Um, she apparently was very, um, very strong-willed woman who, you know, because it's not like they necessarily were like, yeah, let's just donate it. So yeah. she got them, rallied them together to, to donate. And um, I th- think it was Bishop Bell at the time toward the couple sites that they were, were options. And this was so the they one had he chose. A, other, other land there. Yeah. The, the Pendola family has had a, had and has a mm. lot of land in that area. Um, and so this was the, the piece that they decided to donate. Have you ever met any of them? I have. Um, when I first started, we and we still have done it. Um, we'll have a mass for for the Pendola family in in honor of uh, Frank, who's the who the land was donated in his honor, um, and his wife Dolores. Um, she passed away in August of 2016. Um, wow! And so my first summer, she came up and for that mass. Wonderful. Yeah. So living was, in in that area still. She was living in Sacramento, I think, Sacramento. at the time. But yeah, there's still pendolas up in that area. Yeah, for sure. I've never met a pendola. Well, you may have. You just maybe didn't. I'll know. probably because you yeah. know some they get married. Sometimes they change their names. Well, that's true too. <laughs> <laughs> there are there's pendolas are all around. So well, it's so great that they did this. It is. It's such a wonderful, um, you know, to leave something in the memory of of this man who, you know, had he had a. They think they had six kids. I could be, don't quote me on that, but they had a good number of kids. Um, and that he was passionate about there being something for young people. And and his wife, had, you know, wanted to do this in his memory. Were there so. any camp experiences in Sacramento prior to that? I don't believe so. Yeah. I don't believe so. Um, but, yeah, so to, to have this land to be donated and then to, it, it already had some buildings, which made it, you know, a little bit easier so that we have this this property and the buildings have changed over the years and we've done some renovations and some (laughs) we had to because of nature um (laughs) fire and um replacing buildings that way but which is not the the best way to have to replace the building but you know there it is so i've been there but but how big a site is it a couple acres um we have 40 something acres. Oh, you, oh, you have uh, uh, you have a, a lot of land surrounding the actual camp. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so mostly forest. Mostly forest. Yeah. Yeah, so mostly forest. Um and the, the actual site is probably a, an acre or two with the pond and the something housing. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Not, not huge, but It's not but, huge, but it's but not certainly enough. It's certainly enough for for what we're doing um and we're surrounded by mostly national forests. Mm-hmm. There are some neighbors, but few and far between. Right. Um, and so it's it's mostly forest land. So it's great places for kids to go hiking. And we do that. We do our overnight experience, which we've talked about before, where kids are hiking out. We're hiking out to um, campsites that are in the Tahoe National Forest. Mm-hmm. They're open campsites. So sometimes we we go walk to them and we have to pick a different one, but because there's you already have a to family. reserve them or you just They're kinda, open. They're, they're just, just open. open. Yeah, yeah. So there's no way to reserve them. But um, and these are would be small campsites. Very small campsites. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're perfect for taking two or three cabins sure. at a time too. And they all have water sources and things like that. Um, yeah. So it's, just up there and we are able to do our camp program where kids can like see stars for the first time which is always kind of amazing like it's one of my favorite things to do is just stargaze with them like just put out some blankets and everybody or their beach towels and just like look up and see because there's stars like yes I know the stars are always there but when with city lights you don't always get to see them um oh if night and day difference. Night and day difference. Uh, really, as you get up to the Tahoe area and get away mm-hmm. from light, civilization, I'll get away from all that light pollution. That's yeah. that's what it's called. Um, I was listening to a 
a podcast, they were talking about that recently, about how that's been like one of the biggest tourism jumps in the last, you know, couple of years sure. is people trying to go up to national forest land and, and be able to stargaze where there's no light pollution. Yeah. So, I mean, you live, you live in towns and, and you got street lights and yeah. everybody, you know. And lights that just don't ever turn off. Uh, so, yeah, exactly. you know, we have we have floodlights and things like that. If it camp and we'll everyone, somebody has to go around and turn them off. And like if uh, when Father Dean is up, Dean Marshall's up there, he does a big stargazing lesson with mm-hmm. everyone. And he'll literally come into my office. He's like, Miss Jen, it's time. And I was like, what? He's like, you got to turn your lights off. <laughs> <laughs> Even the like the light from my office yeah. He's like too bright. You got to turn it off. So yeah. um, it gives me an excuse to go to bed early that evening. But uh <laughs> The other the other thing that you realize uh, when there is a full moon mm-hmm. is just how bright the moon is. Yes, for sure. It's mind boggling. It it's crazy, and it's it's always hard because sometimes we'll get some cloudy nights, and then we don't get to see the moon sometimes. But um, yeah, and it's weird in the summer because um, we forget like when the moon actually rises, and so like, oh wait, it's not. It's not because we'll be like it's like right in the trees, and then all of a sudden I was gonna like, say you you you're not going to see the actual moonrise uh, because you're just where you are. Yeah. So it'll but suddenly it'll be like much there higher. Is, we're, yeah. we're like, oh, there's the moon. That's that's where it went. It was taking a nap or something. But so describe for people the two or three ways to get there. Let's 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 start in Sacramento. Um, so from Sacramento, there's, there's two ways to get there from Sacramento. One is to, is the way that I generally go, um, which is to go up 80, um, to Auburn, to Auburn and in Auburn, get off in 49. And then you're going to just stay on 49 through Grass, through Valley, Grass Valley. Yeah. And then you're going to actually make a left to stay on 49 mm-hmm. <laughs> and then almost, then you just drive like you're going to Downeyville. Okay. But when you get to Camptonville, you stop. So you're, you're. Gaining elevation. You are gaining so you some took elevation. A, a right turn. A left. You well, took a, a left onto forty nine. A left on from forty nine. Oh, to, from, okay. Yeah, you got to get yeah. so yeah you to get to stay on to 49. stay on forty nine. You got to make a left. Otherwise, but, you're going to be you're, going you're to going Reno up uphill a little bit. Yeah, yeah you're going yeah. uphill. Gotcha. You're going to go over the. You're going to go over the east a little bit. East, east a little bit. You're going to go over the Uber River, um, and through a couple small towns that are very small. North San Juan being one of mm-hmm. them. Um, and then, then you're going to arrive at Cam- in Camptonville, which is basically a, it's a, there's a lot of people that live there, but it's the thing you see <laughs> from the, from 49 is a, um, is a store, yeah. <laughs> um, called the lost nugget, which is like staff dream about it. It's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. We like the, and we take the, the older campers who go on our backpacking trips and our, um, canoe trips we actually take them to the last nugget on the way back to camp oh, okay. and they can buy treats uh-huh. or like a snack or a just whatever. a little grocery store it's a little like convenience store yeah. and you would think i took these kids to like <laughs> disneyland disneyland <laughs> they walk in and like wow. they're so excited and they're like can i buy this i'm like i don't know how much money do you have like <laughs> yes but yeah it's it's got a little bit of everything and the kids really it's like but it's something that they've heard about year after sure. year and so they're very excited or they've seen it like driving to and from camp. They've, yeah. they've driven past it. So they get very excited. Um, and then be, but to get into camp from 49, you were going to drive to find a road called Pendola extension and you're going to make a left off 49 onto that. And then you were going to be driving up into the hills. <laughs> up into the hills. It is paved about two thirds of the way. Hmm. Is that and, new? Um, they repaved it recently, mm-hmm. so it's nicer. And then you are going to veer to your left onto a dirt road. Okay. <laughs> That's And then you're going to head into camp from there. Are there homes off the, the paved road? Um, There's like driveways, but you don't, not homes that you see. Yeah. No. There's just driveways. But there are, there are homeowners in yeah. that area. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's homeowners in that area. Um, and when you drive into camp, you're going to see the pond first. Yeah. Um, which is very, very cold. And <laughs> even in the summer. Even in the summer. I put my um, hand in it at the time I was Kids there. every year ask me if I'm gonna get a pool heater and I was like, How would I what no. it's 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 water that's constantly running, friends. Yeah. Um <laughs> and uh <laughs> and then you're at camp and that's it's do, 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 do kids swim in it anyway? They bring an oh, ice yeah. pick bring an ice pick and kids swim in it anyway. Like they don't care. They go in the boats, they go in they wanna ride the 
jump from the rope swing into the pond. Um, some kids jump in and out or like just put their feet in. And then there's kids that are like floating in it. Those are the kids I'm always like, how are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> I go into like my knee. you don't have a hot tub for them to get in no, afterwards. No, I go yeah. into like knee like knee, like only yeah. up to my knees. And I'm like, it's freezing. I got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but they love it. You ever put a thermometer in it? Absolutely not. I'm afraid to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just cold. I'm sure it's, it's, and some days it feels warmer. It just depends on the temperature outside, of course, but. And some days it feels really great because it's warm at camp. How big is it? Is this like about size of a swimming pool or bigger? Bigger. Yeah. Oh, yeah, bigger. Um, there, are there trout in it? I don't think so. Piranhas? No. There might be a salamander. <laughs> Although every year kids ask me if there are fish in it. And I've, I had never seen a fish in there until this last summer. The last week of camp, I actually saw one fish. But I think it was lost. I've never seen a fish in there before. The water is super clear, so you can see all the way to the bottom, and I've never seen one before. How, how deep would it be? Um, as I tell the kids, it fully depends on how much water we have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it just it varies, but and it varies day to day. The water's flowing in there from a mm -hmm. creek. Yeah, the, yeah, it's it's a it's um, flowing in from a creek. We dam it off, so we have a man-made dam to create the pond, yeah. which we open up and we'll be creating again in in May. You, do you use, you use the water for anything else? Um, the same water that we that is used for the pond is the water that we use for drinking. It just mm -hmm. goes through a treatment right. facility that we right. have on property. Um, as well, um, we keep that water in the pond um, through usually late October, early November, mm -hmm. because it could be used for fire suppression. Oh, yeah. So we wait till Cal Fire tells us to let it go. And then you, or we get a big rain, which we then we have to <laughs> break the dam. Otherwise, it floods. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually just like a turn style kind of yeah. dam. But yeah, that's what we do. And is there is there a caretaker there in the winter? There's not. We have a staff person who um, works primarily at Trinity Pines, and he goes up um, and takes care of Pendola when we need him to. Yeah. Hope. I mean, there used to be a caretaker, but. Budget cuts. <laughs> Very good. So uh, are you hiring already? We are. We are hiring already. We've got um, about 20 positions available for the summer between leadership and counselors and everything that we're looking to hire. So definitely looking for a kitchen manager. I think I've got my health center person lined up. Um, and then we'll be hiring um, counselors, we need male and female counselors who can work the summer. Um, and we're doing five weeks of camp this year. So it's going to be a little bit of a longer summer, but you do get most of the 4th of July week off. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we've got, so we just got, we're trying to get some of our returning staff lined up and, um, hopefully we'll have a seminarian or two up there as well. Um, if you check out the Consider Priesthood website or um, their social media, they shared um, uh, Victor was up, th one of the seminarians was up there this last summer. And he did a little testimonial about his experience as a counselor during the vocation Christmas party. Hmm. So it's it's on their social media, posted it a couple days ago. And ex explain how mass works. How what? Mass works. Well, we have... Not the, the, the <laughs> different parts of the mass. Okay, I was like, I, I could do a mass lesson, but... Um, so we we have mass every Sunday. Um, the families are are invited to, to stay if they'd like to. This is a drop-off day. It's drop-off day. Not pick-up day. Not pick-up day. Right. Yeah, we do it on drop-off day. It's how we start our week together, okay. is with mass. Um, so... We have a chaplain, um, that which is something that we started in 2018, mm -hmm. that we have a weekly chaplain. Um, who's there all week? Who's there all week. Started wow. in 2019, we have a, week, a priest that's up there all week. That's fabulous. It's really great. Um, part of it is that to support the staff, and, and because I'm the director and like I have to be their supervisor, I can't also be their counselor sometimes, um, which is needed. And so that's part of the reason we have the priest there. Um, it's also, um, Deacon Kevin would, would say that it's also so that Jen has someone to talk to. Um, because, you know, there's some times that I also need someone who can support yeah. me and to just be like, 
help me stay calm. Um, yeah. And that I can say last summer when we had an issue with something, having that priest there who he wasn't even like really helping with the the issue. Right. He just like stood next to me and was like, okay, we've got this. Like mm-hmm. just kept reminding me like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> even though in, in the moment it felt like for the love of all that is holy, make it stop. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But having the, the priest there is just there to support that. And, and they're able to offer mass every day. Um, we don't, we don't require all of the kids to go to mass every day. It's an option. It's optional for them. But that's uh, daily mass. That's fabulous. But, and for some kids, they even, they've never even heard of daily mass. Yeah. Like, like what? What? They do Thursday? that every day. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember as a youth minister and I, I almost felt like the biggest failure as a youth minister, but it, it was like a freshman. So I was like, it's a freshman. Like, it's okay. Um, but we went to a daily mass, like as a like yeah. youth group, like that's what we did. And he, he looked at me and he goes, wait, they do mass every day that's a thing and i was like yes sit down like yes daily mass is a thing you catholics take this stuff seriously i was like whoa kid um so but yeah so for kids to see that and then you know last summer we we have these like excursions for our teens and we were able to have one of the um one of the priests he actually helped canoe the canoes out to the kids um and then set a mass for them out at the lake oh wow so i mean that like things like that because we have a priest who's with us all week and we have those opportunities for something really special that's like i mean how often do you like have a priest literally canoe out the supplies he needs to say mass to you at a lake and then you know there's a, there's a video up on our social media of him oh, canoeing out. Yeah, it was who, who was it? Father Mar, Father Ryan Mar. Yeah. Um. So he yeah. There's a video of him doing it. One of the <laughs> staff took the video, and it's great. Does not surprise me. It it didn't surprise me at all that he was willing and willing to do it. So. Um, they must love coming up there. I would think. I think so. I mean, the priests that come every year, you know, will they seem to. Um, so we'll we'll be trying to recruit them again this in the next few weeks um, to try to get every all the priests lined up for those weeks, and um, hopefully they'll be able to come up for part of training as well, so mm-hmm. that they can meet the staff ahead of time. So it's not like. <laughs> show up meet the staff get yeah, everything yeah. and like we're busy we got to check in kids now you know so it gives us time to to spend some time with that priest ahead of time so you're still looking for counselors i am D- describe a day in the life of a counselor the day in the life of a counselor okay so uh they wake up with the campers hopefully early um you have a rooster on the on the ground we have the bell <laughs> that you can hear for miles um get the count get the campers all down the hill to so brush like their teeth six and, in the morning eight in the morning no not till like we we let them sleep till seven okay. uh seven thirty uh then they come down um the counselors get the kids brushing their teeth um and then it's some free time so because it takes a while for everyone to get you know ready in the morning dressed and all that kind of good stuff um then we have all camp prayer um at 7:45 so one cabin is leading that prayer so if you're the counselor and that's cabin is in charge like you're make sure that you're there ahead of time and set and ready um and then breakfast most important meal of the day <laughs> it can really make or break you uh, it's the most important meal until lunch <laughs> well yes but the breakfast one generally comes with coffee, which can be <laughs> depending on who you are. For me, it's the most important meal of the day. Um, and then after um, after breakfast, we they, they go back up to their cabins and the kids have an opportunity to clean up their their cabins because Clean Cat, which is like a it's an award the cabins can mm-hmm. win and kids really want to win Clean Cat. They get very, very serious about it. Um, so <laughs> and you never know when Clean Cat will be inspecting. So they take care of that. Um, and then we have two rounds of activities. So they, one of those rounds, they're going to be taking, they're going to get their break, which is when they can go take a nap or a shower or whatever. Um, and the other round, they're going to be leading activities. So it might be archery or arts and crafts or a nature game or taking kids on a hike or shelter, shelter building. Um, and then it's time for lunch. <laughs> and then it's some of our counselors' favorite parts of the day, Bob time. Um, not named for you, but. Uh, <laughs> Why do they call it Bob time? Backs on bunks. Oh, so it's kind of our Bob time. So it's our rest hour. It's an important part of any camp experience. You need that quiet time. It's when kids can write letters or take a nap or play a quiet game with a, you know, a cabin mate. 
And then we have two more rounds of activities after that, after that, where again, half the staff get a break, half of them are working. Um, and, and that's the cabin instead of them traveling as a cabin for an activity, they're just, they're broken up. So the kids, some kids will go to the pond, some kids will go do tie dyeing. They get to pick their activity in the afternoon. Um, and then all the, then the cabins have an activity they do together. So if it's on Monday, they're doing their Laudato Sea activity where they're introducing what Laudato Sea is to their campers. Um, and, and talking about how to, um, how, you know, we can express and see God through nature. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then it's dinner time. <laughs> and then we're evening activities where it's an all camp game. Um, or a campfire, or some other kind of silly craziness, and then it's bedtime. What time's bedtime? Between nine and ten. So, do the counselors sleep in the cabins? They with- do. So, it's generally one counselor with up to ten campers. Um, they're mostly open air cabins. If it's if they're de- depending on the um, like the number of campers, sometimes it'll be more with an extra counselor. Um, but for the most part, that's what it is. Is it cold at night? It can be, but if you wear a hoodie, you're good. Most yeah. of the time, you're like you're fine. Um, I, it's funny sometimes parents will send like those really like super warm sleeping bags, yeah. and the kids will be like, "It's so it's hot," <laughs> which I'm like, "Okay, buddy, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll 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 tell your mom. I don't know what to do now. There's nothing I can do about it now. <laughs> tell mom for next year." How often does a kid get homesick, and where you actually have to deal with it? Um, where I have to deal with it, or, yeah. probably between one and five a week of 60 kids, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not a good number. There are kids that get homesick, especially that first night, especially some of our younger campers, um, especially, especially when it's their first time being away from yeah. home, right? Yeah. Like, But for the most part, campers, you know, they rally. And um, the thing that I constantly am saying to them, like, your mom and your dad have so much trust in you and believe that you can make it so let's prove them right um and it's sometimes you know it's just about like you can choose to stay like and we will remind them like you can choose to like remain in this like i'm homesick nothing's gonna make you feel better or you can look at the things you're gonna get to do tomorrow and like yeah it's it's make a choice so (laughs) depends on like how old they are is when we say that statement to them but you know like i've had older campers that are they're homesick and i'm like well are you not having fun and they're like no i'm having the best time and i'm like okay well then you can stop crying about it (laughs) it was just like it was one of my favorite i was like i then i really don't know what to help how to help you but like if you want to sit out here and calm down that's great and then she's like i don't want to go home i was like okay great good to know I have teenagers who get homesick. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, you know, they're off uh, a weekend with friends or exactly. somewhere, you know, at Tahoe or something. And you'll get that call. And you can kind of hear it in their voice. They're yeah. too old to admit it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, we get homesick when we go away to college. Like, sure. let's let's be real about the situation. That's something that happens. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, kind of mind over matter kind of a situation. Yeah. And we're there to support them and walk with them and talk to them about whatever they need. It sounds like a great experience for everybody. It really so is. So how, how can the counselors sign up? So the counselors can sign up by going to pendola.org mm-hmm. forward slash employment. Um, and they get paid. They get paid. They're not volunteers. They are not volunteers. And I cannot tell you right now off the top of my head how much they get paid, but it is on the website. Um, well, you told me last year and it was very decent. Yeah. It's it's pretty good. It's a pretty good weekly and they pay. actually, even at the end of... The week they actually can get away for a day or two. They right? can, yeah. So I, I, I was talking to one of my daughters, and it, it didn't work out for her. But she she said, "Oh, that gives me a different like I thought it was going to be like six weeks." Right. It's know. not. You're not just up there for. You can go home. Like you you have the option to stay if you would True. like to stay over the weekend. You're totally totally fine with that. Um, but we are done at about by seven o'clock on um friday night mm-hmm. and it's still light out till like nine yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you're good to drive home um but you're off from about seven o'clock on friday until um, you need to be back by noon on sunday so if you lived in the sacramento area you're mm-hmm. an hour and a half or something yeah. from from well, home you'd be home on friday night friday and night see not your too friends late. and 
and all day Saturday and Saturday night and this is a reasonable hour on Sunday yeah, night. Yeah, and you yeah. have time to, you know, do some laundry, hang yeah. out with friends, go get, like, you know, yeah. do fun stuff um, and still spend time with families. Because yeah. I know that'll be sometimes the concern is, you know, especially for college students, they want to be able to spend time with their family. Well, sure. you've got this opportunity. So do you need them to commit for, for all the camps, though? It's best if they can commit for all the camps. If they are unable to, we can work around it. Um, we Last summer, we had what we called guest stars, so people who could only come up for a week or two, mm-hmm. and we can work around that. Um, it's best if that's going to be the case, that they also hang out with us for staff training yeah. <laughs> so they know what's going on. Um, Is staff training at the camp? Staff training is at camp, yeah. And, and that happens when? That happens the in June, and this year we're going to do a week and a half. So we're going to try to have the precept for that first half of a week. And then the second full week is just going to be staff training on like skills that they need with the campers at camp and things like that. Wow. Yeah. So do you have anything else you, you want to tell our listeners? Well, registration is also open for camp. So if you just want to register your camper. Um, the weeks are all posted on our website, which is just pendola.org, which if you don't want to spell pendola, it's P-E-N-D-O-L-A dot O-R-G. Very good. Jennifer, always a joy. Thanks for all your great work. And, uh, we'll keep, uh, keep praying that you get all the, you always do. It always happens through, by the grace of God, it always comes through, but it's always a little stressful. Are you looking for a cook? I am. Hmm. If you know anybody, send them my way. I would love to cook for a camp. I think it would be so much fun. It's it's not a bad job. <laughs> it's it's a lot, but it's not bad. Mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open Uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. Hi, this is Brian Visitation, Director of Media and Communications for the Diocese of Sacramento. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. That's me. Thanks, Brian, for that wonderful introduction and for all the great work you do here uh, in communications for the Diocese of Sacramento. Well, we are just pleased and honored to welcome in Don Kendrick, uh, the music director for the Sacramento Choral Society, uh, also Professor Emeritus from Sacramento State, and uh, also the director of music for the uh, uh, Scola Cantorum. So, uh, Don, good good to have you on the program. Hi, Bob. Good. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, always a joy. Uh, uh, the last last we talked was after the wonderful uh, Home for the Holidays concert at the Memorial Auditorium. 
That's right, Bob. We had over 2,000 people who Wasn't... purchased tickets for that. And that horrible rainy, rainy night. Yes, it was really. <laughs> I remember uh, uh, my daughter had come home from UC Santa Cruz for right. Christmas, and she brought one of her roommates with her. And we were walking from where we parked, and the leaves <laughs> were about six inches deep. <laughs> and I know. It was a crazy storm. And yet all these people came to hear Home for the Holidays yeah. as their annual holiday tradition you know so it, we it were, really is we and it's a, it, it's so it's just so much fun and uh well thank you bob we have we have fun but it's one of our favorite concerts of the year because i just love christmas music and christmas carols and and the joy and the festivity of putting them together and we had an, a, a premiere that night of a brand new carol yes. by dr scott perkins yeah. uh, which we uh, were pleased to uh, give the world premiere of and then we had Older, familiar carols as well, and Santa and everybody was there. The puppets, of Richard, I mean, uh, the Green Valley Theater puppets were there with Chris Cook. So we had a lot of fun. Yeah, and a wonderful soloist that uh, we we got we got lucky and interviewed him uh, about a week prior to the concert. And oh, Salvatore Adi, he's yes. a marvelous, marvelous tenor, just a great singer and a, yeah. and a great musician too. He's just unbelievable musician. So. We're, we're so lucky to have Sal in that concert with us, and the audience just loved loved him, especially his old Holy Night solo, which oh, was just man. brought the host on the end. The high B flat he sang in that was just amazing. Yeah, he's he's uh, and what I really like is the mix of old and new, you know, and mm -hmm. I mean obviously. Uh, you come to a, a Christmas performance. You, you, you want you want Oh Come All Ye Faithful, and you want Jingle Bells, and you want all of that. Uh, but but you, you, we heard a lot of stuff in there too. Yeah, it's a lot of beautiful beautiful things by Marlo Bradford from Utah and right. Gary Fry from Chicago, and uh, really beautiful pieces. So uh, yeah, I try to. I, it's it's always a joy for me to put that program together. But some people have. A hard time with Christmas concerts. They they don't like Christmas concerts. They think it's just a lot of work. But I I just love Christmas concerts and and I love uh, finding new arrangements of carols, mm -hmm. arrangements that will challenge the orchestra. Not not junky music, but really good music. You know, to, uh, but important music to play symphonically as well as beautiful choral choral arrangements. Uh, so I I just love hunting around and and uh, come up with some some come up with, each year with some beautiful new carols. And as, I, as you said, the old ones too. But but now we're turning the tables and we're looking for children. Yes. <laughs> children. Well, at, at the end of the concert, you uh, you really emphasized that. Yes, I did. So I'm helping to replenish the Sacramento Children's Chorus, which I founded uh, 30 years ago now. 30 years ago. Uh, and I founded it with Lynn Stevens as her graduate right conducting program she was doing her master's degree with me in choral conducting and i suggested that well instead of writing a boring thesis let's form a children's choir that's going to do something for the community and 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 contribute something professionally so so she agreed to, to something she'd like to do and uh, i came on board as a conductor uh, i mean the artistic director and the um, ceo of the board for four years i you know Incorporated them as a nonprofit 501c3. I formed them a board of directors, and we put on uh, a brand new opera that I commissioned by Daniel Kingman at Sac State. Uh, and uh, we off they went. So 30 years later, here we are. But so Linda's retired, and uh, I've stepped back in now. Uh, in my in my senior years, I'm looking forward to working with. Where I started in, in Canada as a conductor, working with children's choirs, mm. professional children's choirs. I used to conduct the Canadian Children's Opera Chorus, oh. and then I founded the Hamilton Children's Choir, which is now in its 45th year of successful international award-winning choir. That's and, Hamilton, uh, Ontario? Yes, it is. Wow. And um, they're in its 45th year of international competitions they've won. And, and I formed other children's choirs, too, but... So I'm coming back as their conductor again for a while to get them going, and um, Natasha Bach is also going to assist me. She sings with my school at Cantorum, but she's a distinguished voice teacher and conductor from the Bay Area. She's moved to Sacramento in the last year or so, and, and uh, so she's worked with the Piedmont 
uh, voice choir and other mm-hmm. choirs in San Francisco. And uh, mainly, Bob, I'm looking for boys now at this point. I mean, I've got about, I've chosen about, I've chosen 30 of them now that have passed their audition. But I'm mostly looking for boys, although I'll take good, good singing girls too who can, you know, really sing well. But more, I'm, I'm, I've got room for about 10, maybe 12 more boys. And then I'll be at capacity. Um, so it'll be about 40 voice to children's choir. And uh, so these boys should be in grade, you know, five, grade six, grade seven, or grade eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from grade five up through grade eight, uh, boys uh, who have a good singing voice and love to sing, a boy soprano still, uh, who haven't gone through the change yet, mm-hmm. and uh, who can sing a five note pattern down. Like some so far me right though five four three mm-hmm. two one on the just on a, a loo like loo, 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 loo. if they can sing that really cleanly cleanly and clearly uh, that's all it, it takes to pass the audition wow. um, and um, Natasha and I are going to give them really outstanding theory lessons so we're each each day at each class they have with us. They're going to learn music theory, that is, how to read the notes, how to read the lines and the spaces, what the names of the notes are, how the, what the values of the notes are, uh, and how they fit, fit on, the, on, the, on the treble clefs. And uh, they're going to really help to grow their, grow their musicianship as well, of course, uh, develop them vocally to teach them how to breathe, how to sing, how to phonate, how to make beautiful sound, you know, and like a professional choir would and professional singers so and Natasha's a great voice teacher and um so they'll learn music theory as i say each week and uh, they get part of the rehearsal it would be given just to learning the theories of music uh, so they grow and grow in strength each week and get better become better musicians and then uh, we'll vocalize them do some warm-ups and teach them how to develop their access to their upper register especially and their head voice and then we'll be learning some beautiful literature Um, and they're going to meet after school twice a week Tuesday and Thursdays Tuesday and Thursdays from 4.30 till 5.45 so it's an hour and 15 minutes twice a week after school right over in the Arden Arcade area here in Sacramento it's on on Morse M-O-R-S-E Morse Avenue and uh, Fair Oaks Boulevard Okay, is that at Sierra Vista? Yeah, it's at yeah. a church called mm-hmm. Sierra Vista Community Church. That's right. It's right on uh, Morris. On Morris, Avenue right? And MORC, but so it's handy in the central. Um, but um, and we're going to start next Tuesday. But I'll still be hearing auditions for another ten days or so. Um, and uh, but as I say, uh, I've got a, a number of boys now, and also uh, and, uh, and quite a few girls too. So. So we need about 10 to 12 more boys, grade 5, grade 6, grade 7, or grade 8. Um, and they're going to sing a concert in uh, April. Oh, wow. Uh, they'll be our guest artists with Scola Cantorum from Sacred Heart Church. Uh, and uh, who they, Scola does a um, – they just sold out both of their Christmas concerts that they did uh, last month, and now – they come to their Lenten Choral Mysteries concert, so mm-hmm. a concert in Lent. I think it's April 1st. And, and, yeah, um, that's the date I have, yeah. yeah okay, and then uh, so we're going to uh, unveil the children's choir in that program in the beautiful acoustics of Sacred Heart Church with uh, an outstanding choir, as you know, Skolik and Tarm sing oh, really, course, really yeah. well. Uh, and uh, so they'll appear on that program with me and Natasha. And then... In May, they'll appear in the Safe Credit Union Performing Arts Center. Wow. With, yeah, on stage in the big theater with my full orchestra and the whole Sacramento Choral Society and orchestra in Carmina Burana mm. of Carl Orff. And they'll sing, sure. the, they'll sing the children's parts in Carmina Burana uh, with solos from uh, New York and from the Metropolitan Opera and our, our big full professional symphony <clears throat> and then the big 150 voice choir behind them so they get to sing with the orchestra with the solos in the big theater they get to sing in sacred heart church um and uh, and they get great theory lessons from uh, t- 
Natasha and singing lessons from uh, both of us. Um, and um, the, uh, uh, but as I say, uh, and, and the best way is just to call me, call me, call me on my cell. I published my my cell number. I'll just give it to you if you okay, want. Okay, that'd be great. It's nine one six eight four seven zero four two four. So that's nine one six eight four seven zero four two four. And they call me and just make a little time to meet with me. It takes about five to ten minutes, no, not much longer than that, ten, ten mm-hmm. minutes. And I just uh, sing with the, with the boy uh, to hear him sing five note patterns. Uh, like, as I said, five, so, so far me right do, five, four, three, two, one, I call it. Right. No, 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 no. All they've got to do is just that, up and down in their register so I can hear how high they sing and then how low they can sing. And that's all I care about. I don't care if they've never sung in a choir before. Probably most of them haven't. Um, certainly the, certainly none of them probably will have sung in the, in the kind of choir that this choir is going to be because it's going to be a professional level children's choir. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be learning, as I said, all the rudiments of music and music making and developing the voice into an un- a hopefully a beautiful, beautiful choral sound that will be uh, appreciated by our audiences. And, and um, so they just have to sing those, that five-note pattern down on Lou and in their head voice, so I can hear their, their soprano voice. And um, then I can best advise them if, if they're going to fit in the choir or not. And I give them some clapping, some rhythmic clapping to do back to me. And then I also, you know, uh, dream up little path, uh, little melodies to sing, just make up little tunes like, and have them sing that back to me to see how good their ears are, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and that helps me it helps uh, me to adjudicate the aptitude of the child, you know. Uh, but um, most, of the t- most of these kids are, are come on, they, they, they have no musical background. They just have a good music instinct, a good mm-hmm. music skill, a good, good singing voice. And that's all I'm really looking for is just a good singing voice. But, but it is Tuesdays and Thursdays after school for an hour and 15 minutes uh, in the spring for uh, uh, three months. Um, but when they finish with me and with Natasha uh, and if they get put into the choir, they get chosen for the choir, they're going to become amazing musicians and amazing singers, and they're going to sing with outstanding, outstanding singers, too. So all these kids, Bob, each one of these kids so far, the 30 kids that I've chosen, are all kids who sing well, really well, who have good ears and who have really good aptitude for music foundations that we're going to give to them, you know. So well, it sounds exciting. Like a great you know. opportunity for them. It is a great opportunity. And, you know, I've conducted all over the world, and Natasha has some wonderful credentials, too. And, and for these kids to get the, the kind of training that we're going to give them, it's really going to help these kids down, down the road, whether they become doctors or lawyers or pharmacists or policemen or whatever, but it's just going to make them a better person and a better human being because they're going to learn to read music and learn to sing well uh, and, you know, Choral singing befits you for life in ways mm-hmm. that other things can't. It's just it's, it's, it, it gives you gifts and strengths and helps you become a better person by singing in a choir. So statistics have proven that people who sing in choirs, they, they've proven this in Washington in a national poll they did, people who sing in choirs are, are, are just be, become better human beings. They're, they're more apt to vote. They're more apt to give back to the community. They're more apt to, uh, uh, you know, be uh, philanthropists themselves. Uh, and, uh, and, and it helps them at school and their SAT scores, too, it, mm. because it, 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 it develops their mathematical skills. Yeah, it, it stimulates the brain, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. So we're, we give them all that. <laughs> if they get chosen for the, this is the Sacramento Children's Course. So all they got to do is call 916-847-0424 and t- say, Dr. Kendrick, I want to come out and try for try out for your children's choir and see if I can get into your children's choir. Boys who are in grade five, six, seven, and eight, mostly boys, but we'll take good girls too, you know. So, so is it harder to get boys at that age? 
Uh, it's just that, the, you know, right now it's, it's, it's a matter of scheduling problems. So, so many of these kids at school get all their extra extracurricular activities uh, structured for them so so mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. So they get in basketball, they get into soccer, and they get all these extracurricular activities and booked in onto their schedule so fast. So it's just it's just that they get the kids. They they keep these kids so busy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes I, know. I, think, I, I think too busy at times. That may be too busy. I don't know. But uh, they they just keep they book these kids, and and the, the poor kids are just running from. Yeah, I remember my oldest daughter and, and now a granddaughter were both in the j- the jazz choir at, uh-huh. in, in high yeah. school, yeah. and every girl in the school tried out for the jazz choir, and they were out on the baseball field trying to pull some some boys in. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So we'll, we'll see, but, but I, I just I, I appreciate your support, Bob, on the show here and getting the word out about the car because it's. The Sacramento Children's Choir has sung all over the world. They've gone to Sweden, they've gone to England, mm-hmm. they've gone to, you name the country, and they've and they've won awards. They've sung at festivals uh, internationally, and uh, they're they're an amazing ensemble. And uh, so we're we're beefing them back up again. And uh, as I say, uh, we we have room for about ten, maybe twelve more boys uh, only. So I hope they call soon and fast because we start next week at rehearsal. Uh, and we want to get them into the uh, rehearsal schedule so they don't fall behind, you know. Uh, and uh, so the sooner the better is just 916-847-0424, and Dr. Kendrick will slot a time for them to meet either in Fair Oaks or in Sacramento or wherever. I have a couple of places around town that I'm hearing the auditions, you know. Very good, very yeah. good. And you, the... Uh Choral Society Orchestra and and uh, uh, Scola, they're, they've got all kinds of things planned too, right? Yes, Scola's got their Lenten Choral Mysteries program coming up on April the 1st, mm-hmm. which these children will make their debut on the program. That'll be their first official performance before Carmina Barana with me and the orchestra. <clears throat> and then Scola does the Lenten Choral Mysteries program, which is such a stunning program. And a very moving program in April, and then in June they're on a concert tour internationally. They go to Canada, oh, wow. <laughs> to Victoria, to the cathedral, the unbelievable Gothic cathedral in Victoria. Yes, it's beautiful, uh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, stunning, and uh, Christchurch Cathedral, and then they take the boat over to Vancouver to the mainland, and mm-hmm. they're singing in the the cathedral in Vancouver. They're also doing a a, 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 a full uh, evening concert by themselves in Vancouver also. Wow. Uh, and so, yeah, we're really looking forward to, to that. And um, and they get to see a beautiful part of the world, for sure. That's really stunning, really yeah. stunning country. Um, yeah. And then my Sacramento Choral Society is gearing up for um, March concert. I think it's March the 3rd or 4th. Uh, the 4th the European it, Masterpiece. Yeah. Masterworks. They're, that's right, European masterworks, and they're they're doing Mendelssohn's huge, big Lobgesang. It's called it's unofficially called a Symphony Number no. Two, but it's beautiful, beautiful piece that um, especially the Lutherans will love because it's uh, their language of, of now thank we all our God, the beautiful chorale that comes mm-hmm. in at the end, and um, and then they're doing what I consider one of the most Stunning pieces in the literature is by Sir Charles Villiers Stanford. It's called his setting of the Stabat Mater. Mm-hmm. It's a, the words of the picture of Mary weeping at the feet of uh, her crucified son right. at the foot of the cross, and it is simply outstanding music. It's some of the best music that Stanford's ever written. English, a beautiful English uh, romantic music and. Uh, a wonderful antidote to the Mendelssohn Lobgesang, which is quite, quite strong and majestic, and, and here the standard is sweeping and beautiful. You know, so there's so wonderful pieces to put together. And then that's in March, and then two months later in May we come back with uh, Carmina Burana, which mm-hmm. is a riveting piece that uh, people love by Karl Orff. Um, and we've got outstanding soloists coming in for that. But 
before they do the Carmina, <clears throat> we're going to premiere a piece, um, the, uh, the area premiere of a piece by a friend of mine who's from Riga, Latvia. He's a Latvian composer. His name is Eric Essenvalds, uh, and he's going. And this is a, a wonderful piece that he's written that we're going to um, premiere before Carmina Barana, so they get a little bit of new as well as something that's familiar and and a very popular piece. So we've got, I think, an outstanding springs season lined up. And, you know, we, the, the Verdi Requiem, <clears throat> which we did last March, right. um, we, hadn't, we hadn't sung for like almost three years. I know. And we've been hiding in our houses. And so we, we came together, and we had six rehearsals for the Verdi, and we pulled the Verdi together. And the Safe Credit Union Performing Arts Center is sold out. It just was Every seat practically was gone. I was there. It was my oh. wife and I were there, and it was just oh, yeah. uh, stunning. Well, you know, I, I think because people are anxious to get back to live performances yep. again, and they, they, people want to get back to their lives as they knew them before, get back to a stable life again, and they want to go out to dinner, they want to go out to the theater, and they want to hear, they want to hear beautiful music perform live again. So. I think that's why everybody came, but the Verdi was just, but they did not, the choir was unbelievable in that piece of 170 singers, and they just sang the socks off that piece, so, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, so, so our, our Mendelssohn's selling really well, and, and, and uh, the Stabat Mater is of Stanford, and Carmina's starting to sell now, it's a little bit early, but uh, it's coming along, and, and uh, so, and then school on April the 1st was the Lenten Coral Mysteries, and that will be at Sacred Heart Church, right. of course, on 1040 39th Street in Sacramento. But um, uh, so, so I'm, so I'm excited. So it's a, it's a brand new choir for us. To, <laughs> next week we, we birth a, a brand new choir of, of 35 singers and 40 singers, and so I, I, I hope that moms and dads will will take their their son down to, to my church or wherever we want to meet, and just to hear their boy. And, you know, you never know. Often parents don't know if the boy is talented or not, but I say, just bring your son, grade 5, grade 6, grade 7, or grade 8, bring him in and let me hear us. Let me do the rest. There's nothing to prepare. You know, people say, well, should he have voice lessons? I said, no, not at that age. Should he, should he, is there something he should prepare? I said, no, there's nothing he should prepare. Just bring him down. It takes 10 minutes. In 10 minutes, he's, I can let you know exactly where he stands. And he'll probably be fine and dandy if he can, because particularly the grade five, grade six kids are there. They're about 10 or 11 years old, you know. That's, that, that's the ideal time for them. The, the age for a boy soprano when his voice is really in full bloom. Very good. And again, the phone number is 916-847-0424. Don, always a joy to talk with you. Thanks Thank for you, all, all you do. And <laughs> we'll look forward to our paths crossing again real soon. All right. Take care. Thanks again Thank for you the too. time, Bob. Thanks. Thanks, Don. That's Don Kendrick, uh, the uh, music director for uh, Sacramento Choral Society, uh, Scola Cantorum at Sacred Heart Church, and uh, now starting this, uh, restarting the the Sacramento Children's Choir. Again, his phone number, he'd love to get some more boys in there, and he, he already has a number of girls, but he said a few openings for girls, too. 916-847-0424. He'd uh, say kids between 5th and 8th grade. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. Well, here I am in a river of questions. Can I pour?
Just. 